This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. This is a great time of year. It doesn't uh, always feel like it, but it's my favorite time because it is the WSB Carathon. That's Monday, starts with Scott Slade, and it ends on Tuesday evening. And I'm going to be up all night between those two, so late Monday, early Tuesday, depending on how you see it, uh, from 1 to 4.30, up all night with Dave Baker and Krista DiBiaz. That is going to be fun. And we're going to raise a lot of money for the most worthy cause. It's the Aflac Cancer Center at Children's Healthcare, and it's 100% tax deductible. It's 100% of it goes to the center, and you can start donating right now at wsbradio.com. And I personally, as a libertarian, believe that human nature and this carathon always demonstrates it, and American generosity overall always demonstrates that human nature uh, is charitable and people will give voluntarily you don't have to coerce it at the point of a gun so i'm happy about the carathon and it provides a nice balance to what has been a really awful week no matter how you look at what's happening you could be on either end of the spectrum you could say complete conspiracy or you can say what you see is what you get regardless of what you think really happened in Dallas or really happened anywhere else, the the fact is these crises, this crisis is going to be used for a purpose. And I, I had, I want to go way down the rabbit hole for a minute because we're going to talk a little bit about the UN, some of the UN uh, initiatives or something, the UN, a UN police force in particular. But I want to back up a second and read to you something from the report from Iron Mountain, which I've mentioned a few times on this show, probably many times. I, if you had to read one thing, it's quite short. You can get a PDF free online. The report from Iron Mountain was a bestseller, nonfiction bestseller in the 60s. It was basically a plan of how to keep power, the power hierarchy in place in this country, maybe even in the world, but uh, in place despite the fact that nuclear weapons might mean the end of war. So the subtitle was something like, uh, on the desirability of peace or the possibility of peace, what do you do? So the report concluded that there was no way to keep society, this structure, the the power at the top and social cohesion that supported that pyramid, there's no way to keep that together without war. And if you couldn't have a real war, because that would mean instant destruction with nukes, if you couldn't have that, you had to figure out an alternative, an alternate alternate enemy. And it had to be as complex as society itself. It had to be a real threat. And then it would get the people to uh, have, it says, allegiance to the society. It, it would have the people to want 
and need government, whereas peace and prosperity people start to fall away from needing government. We talked right before the break about Bismarck. Bismarck knew the people didn't need or want government, so he made them afraid. He started war, and he made them more poor. He destroyed peace and prosperity. That's the problem with this kind of coercive monopoly government. They, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I don't think at this stage in the modern state's development, it can be trusted at all to not work against us. And it works against us in that peace and prosperity are the enemy of the state. But here's the kicker. Here's a quote from this report from Iron Mountain. It talks about ways that you can replace war with an alternate enemy. It says, to ensure social cohesiveness in the absence of war, establish the antisocial elements of society as the alternate enemy, the alternate enemy needed to hold society together. There's ample precedent in the treatment meted out to disfavored, allegedly menacing ethnic groups in certain societies during certain historical periods. So he said, pick an ethnic group from your community that depict them as menacing and use it as the alternate enemy that will get the rest of society to stay loyal to the hierarchy. I mean, it's the sickest stuff. It's sick. And it, it came out of the U.S. government. Some people say it was a hoax, but the hoax story, in my opinion, doesn't hold up. But one of the other things the report from Iron Mountain suggested, and I've, I never really completely got my mind around it, was that you could get people to be loyal to the national government if you threatened it with an international police force so that the enemy would be the larger, that, that the world government apparatus would serve to keep people loyal to their, to the smaller government. But then the smaller government, of course, I assume would be loyal to the higher government of the UN. But I've always puzzled over that, that part of the plan was this international police force, in part just to scare us. Like, that's freaky to me. So I'm going to have to mull that one over a little bit. But that is an intro into... Uh, I'm going to take a call from John, but if you want to call me, 800-WSB-TALK is the better number to call, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. John in Dawsonville, hello. Thank you for holding. Hey. How are you doing? You're on with Monica. Well, uh, back in 2010, and before and since then as well, I personally helped. We were getting in the four-wheel drive tanks with the 20-millimeter auto cannons on top by the train load in the in the shipping yards. We'd go load them onto the roll-on, roll-off ships, and they'd go off. Well, a while back, I've still got some friends that are active in the Merchant Marine and keep feelers out in the intel community and whatnot. And about two weeks ago, some friends of mine started telling me that they've been seeing convoys of trucks with MRAPs and these auto tank, auto turret armed tanks and everything just rolling through Virginia and Maryland and areas like that painted up white with UN on the side of them. So hmm. that coupled with rumors that I've heard from an Intel friend of mine that the UN has told Obama that if there would be if there were political unrest in the country they would come to the aid of the federal government and there was yes. a little known or little watched speech by the director of the NSA on C-SPAN where they awarded Raytheon a 700 million dollar contract to redo the Cheyenne Mountain complex for NORAD and a couple other agencies to move back in in anticipation of a EMP attack by rogue nation or 
I would say with Obama's machinations that he's successfully used uh, either Iran or North Korea, who this morning launched a ICBM from a submarine. All right, that's a lot of stuff, John. So I'm going to tick it off one by one. Okay. I just got a an a couple of tweets that said one is from Roger saying one major reason that you may see UN vehicles uh, on the road on U.S. streets is because they are manufactured here for the UN. Um, I got another tweet that said this, a similar thing, so that could be it, but. That doesn't mean that they're not out there and that they might not be coming to you because this strong cities, and I, I don't know about a conver- any conversation Obama had, but I know that the Strong Cities Network does talk about interoperability, if I recall correctly, certainly best practices, whatever, sharing of information among police forces. And you'll notice also there is the, all these calls for sharing information, financial information across across borders. Very interesting to me. Thank you very much for the call. I'm going to Christopher in Douglasville. Hi, Christopher. You're on with Monica. Oh, hey, Monica. How's it going? Oh, Good. Man, originally I just called to make a quick comment on how you, you were talking about individualism and uh, being you know called into groups and uh, divide and conquer, man. I've been saying that for a long time and people are just finally starting to catch on but i know i mean i've got a similar background with my family i've got bikers my uh, grandma ran away when she was 16 bought a harley and joined circus i've got cops judges on my family and you know i moved out of my house when i was 12 i've lived all over the country i've got a ton of muslim friends mexican friends oriental friends and none of them support anything in the media i've got iraqi kurdistan friends you know and he's you know, one friend in particular, I've known him for 15 years, and he's been telling me for 15 years all this was happening because he saw it when he was exiled. He knows what to look for. And, you know, it's, we're all being called to, to you know, rep, sympathize with this group or Democrats and Republicans. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's one of the problems. But then, you know, another guy, uh, he's touched on so many things I've been thinking about. Nobody's been saying anything about guns. We're, we have Second Amendment to, to protect ourselves from the government, not the other way around. And people have forgotten about that, and that's how they're getting to this. You had mentioned, uh, you know, everybody depending on the government for their safety, and it's like the cops being segregated into another group also. It's like they're they're not supposed to be the military. We are. You know? Right, and they're not. They're, they're your family members. They're not going to do that. You have to really go out of your way to get them to feel that way. But I like, I I found it interesting what you said about the identifying with the group, because what they, what that always, when you identify with the group, that identity politics, it it isn't, it's never really about what's great about your group. (laughs) It's not superior about your group. It's always about how you're being attacked by other people. It's always this violence, this other, you know, it's always outward looking, uh, threats and that's the essence of this divisiveness this divide and conquer whereas i actually think human nature is different when i go to my church or my kids school little league's my favorite it is people i mean like you're saying every different creed and color they get getting together for the same goal who have the same values and i have actually gone uh come to tears with just being moved and joyful at how watching those little kids come together and and transcending all of that stuff it is true 
humanity, human nature, charity. I, I feel like that's what it is and that this stuff that's imposed on us is artificial and it's used, exploited for political purposes. Oh, absolutely. And another friend of mine said the other day, we were sitting on a Porsche, and she, she's OCD, and she says, I think I've got problems. You know, I've got this mental disorder. I'm like, why do you say that? She's like, well, so I was talking to my friend. I'm like, there you go, dude. I mean, so what? You've got OCD. <laughs> when you look at humanity, there's an extreme on both ends. It's like a, a volume knob. You've either got clicks, you've got so many clicks, or there's no clicks. It's an infinite adjustment. And people are infinite, man. There's extremes on both ends. If we didn't have that, we would have problems. And that That's so, problem. yeah, that is true. It's like the parable of the talents. It's like all different different strokes for different folks. And yes, you are, you consider yourself labeled, categorized. Ah, so much more. Let me take a quick, well, I, I've got, um, no, I do not have time to take uh, a, uh, I'll get to you, Ted, after the break. Just hang on a second. There is uh, so much more to talk about. I'll tell you at the bottom of the hour, I asked Derek Grayson to call. I don't know if you've heard him before. He was running in the primary against Johnny Isaacson, and uh, he his motto is 100% of the Constitution, 100% of the time. And I'll tell you what I really think is important. If we're going to talk about the UN... What you what or world government or taking our rights away or whatever losing our power? What they anybody who wants to take our power away has to uh, knock out the Bill of Rights one at a time. So I'm going to ask Derek what he thinks is the greatest threat to the Constitution right now. But if you're on hold, I'm going to get to all the calls. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And of course, I love the tweets at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian on WSB. I just got a tweet from Minus saying, uh, listening to Monica Perez, she's telling people what's going on. That's quite a compliment because what I'm talking about is uh, probably a little deeper and a little more... um, a deeper truth than you're probably hearing anywhere else, but I am open to any uh, insight or opinion on what went on this week and what it means, what we should worry about, what we should really be worried about. I'm not really worried about uh, street violence and personal safety. I'm really worried about the implications for the totalitarian state that I think is coming, uh, that that this stuff is being used Four. So I'm going to take some calls, uh, 800-WSB-TALK or 404-872-0750. I am going to Steve. Hi, Steve. You're on with Monica. Hi. Hi, Monica. Thanks hey, for Steve. taking my call. I wanted to respond to the gentleman that called about an hour ago and identified himself as a devout Catholic. Michael, He made yes. the comment about police shooting people in handcuffs. And I wanted to relate a story that I know took place about 30 years ago in Louisiana. I was in med school. There was a there was a man that they arrested, and they put him in the back of a police car, and they handcuffed him apparently in front. But he had a gun hidden on him. They must have missed it. He shot the officer through the back of the seat. Um, they subsequently caught the guy, and they shot him with a shotgun in the chest. I saw the pellet, hole, the pellet holes in his chest. The man, the, the criminal survived. The officer, his name was Tompkins, he died. And by the way, they were both white. The, the criminal and the officer were both white. 
So what I would suggest to that caller and to anyone listening, that until and unless you know all the facts, you shouldn't get on the radio or TV and say things that may not be relevant or true. I am a huge supporter, big fan of knowing all the facts. I absolutely really respect that. And what I've noticed is that we don't get all the facts from the media. It's highly spun. You can even look at some of the videos that people talk about of these incidents. When you really look at the video, it doesn't necessarily tell you what happened to the extent that the news is reporting the story. I don't know. I know I got a couple of calls about Michael saying something like that, and I must have not heard him say it uh, because I did. I, it doesn't register with me. I probably would have. I don't know what I would have said, but but I'll tell you this: there, I saw a, and I, I don't, I, I don't dispute at all that that this happens. That cops get shot in the line of duty. All the time, guys are squirrely, wily, and uh, but I did see a really disturbing picture of the San Bernardino suspect, the the husband uh, that he was shot and killed. You know, there's no trial or anything like that. It was like on the spot, but the picture of him uh, on the ground, I guess he was shot in the head, has his hands and feet bound behind his back with zip ties, and his hands are. Are raw. Maybe that. Maybe the hands were handcuffs, but the his wrists were raw. So I don't know. You know, maybe Michael was talking about some some outlier case like that because I, mean, I haven't seen it or heard it in any other circumstance. That was quite disturbing, though, and it was fairly recent. So maybe it's something like that. But I agree a hundred percent that what we really need is to is to focus on the facts and make sure that we have all the facts. Uh, I, I agree with that. But do you think we get all the facts from the mainstream media, Steve? Well, Monica, am I, do I still have, am I still on? Yeah, you're on. You're on. Sorry. Yeah, I just want to say this. You know, I presume when the police, his colleagues caught this guy, that he still had his handcuffs on when they shot him with a shotgun. And like I said, he survived. The officer, Tompkins, he died. And so when you hear somebody get on the radio and say, oh, the cops are shooting people wearing handcuffs, you know, well, in this particular case, I think after killing a police officer, and, you know, with a hidden gun, he probably may deserve it. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but I'll tell you, there are other circumstances that aren't as cut and dried. I talked earlier about the Ryan Johnson case, the David Powell case, it, it, both of those cases in Henry County recently. And the reason I think they don't hit the media is that they don't add to this divisiveness feeling. And that's what really I think the problem is. Hang on. I'm going to uh, talk to Derek Grayson next, but keep the calls and tweets coming at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, talking about the events of the week, usually from a Libertarian perspective. This week, I feel like it kind of transcends ideology, what's happening in this country, that crises and tensions are being deliberately promoted by our so-called government. They're not really our leaders. They seem to have hijacked this country, both on the left and the right of the aisle, I think, and the media. I feel like this is all these this con conflict and crisis are going to be used 
to diminish our rights. I look at the terrorism and uh, it looks like one of the many things that's used for is to increase the surveillance state at the expense of the Fourth Amendment. I think Black Lives Matter is being manipulated, exploited to take control of local police away from us to also increase the surveillance state. And I think that there's um, a theme, a meme going on of economic disgruntlement that'll end up getting uh, costing us control of our economy which is really the 10th amendment so i have on the line derek grayson uh hello derek how are you doing i'm doing good monica how about yourself good thank you i want to tell people who you are in case they missed you you were on my show when you were running against johnny isaacson in the primary that just passed how many votes did you get uh around sixty one thousand somewhere yeah around sixty one thousand i got twelve percent of the vote so that's awesome because I mean, how much uh, free media did you get? <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, I got you. <laughs> you yeah, you, that's you, good though. You, you know, and, quality. And, yeah, absolutely. Fetcher uh, News, uh, Brian uh, Pritchett was real good with me, and 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 there were a number of other uh, people with blogs spaces, but you are the only person um, that was brave enough to interview me. Uh, uncut, unfiltered. Uh, that is a you know that that is in the realm of mainstream media. Uh, Jim Galloway talked about me a lot, but it was always to kick dirt on me, uh, oh. to mischaracterize. Well, Trump uh, says that uh, any any uh, PR is good PR, but I just think that being behind the eight ball like that to get tens and tens of thousands of votes is a very good sign. Yeah, um, and and again. Uh, that was largely due to the, the people that are outside of the realm of mainstream media, uh, you know, but being on your show definitely gave us a big boost. And, you know, we, we went around Atlanta, but I'll tell you this much. I know for a fact uh, that if we had gotten as much coverage, uh, free press, as Johnny Isaacson, he would have lost decidedly because, you know, people are tired of what's happening in this country. I, if, if I had one person call me and tell me, man, I didn't know you were running, I had a thousand uh, and tell me. Well, so, your uh, motto, I noticed, because I also saw your great speech at the Libertarian Party convention where somebody asked you to run for a VP position. Is that correct? That's what you said in your speech. You know what? They didn't ask me to run. I I was asked to come down there to to help out. Uh, oh yes, if I could. And and the next thing I know, they were <laughs> tokens uh, to nominate me for VP. And of course, I didn't say no. Anything I can do to help. Uh, and he gave me an opportunity to get up there and speak. But you know, the one beautiful thing about the Libertarian Party is they have the ability to pick their VP. And I was very saddened that they decided to pick uh, Mr. Weld, who... He wasn't even a good Republican, (laughs) much less a good Libertarian. But, you know, that's how it is. You know, and I was told behind the scenes, look, man, you know, this is what Gary Johnson wants this, and they're going to give Gary Johnson, you know, what he wants, uh, period. No matter what, what you say or do, that's just going to happen. I say, well, it won't be because I didn't try to stop it. So Yeah, and, and I noticed that you said 
uh, in your speech 100% of the Constitution 100% of the time, which isn't always a libertarian mantra because for us, the Constitution doesn't always go far enough. But for me, and I've given this a lot, a lot of thought, the you're not going to do better than that. And having especially the Bill of Rights for everybody in this country to feel is their own birthright to rally around, to get us all on the same page, to me, you really, that is critical. So I wanted to ask you, because I feel like this globalism, this uh, the surveillance state, the police state, all the things that are happening right now, faster and faster, it seems, every week, ha- in order for them to really take our rights away, they deliberately target each and every one of the Bill of Rights, just about, maybe not quartering soldiers in your house, but other than that, and I just wanted you, if you could tell us in a nutshell, or, you know, warn us or call to action, what you think is the greatest threat to the Bill of Rights, what we should be most uh, uh, aware of or keyed into right now. What's your view? Have you thought about that at all? Absolutely. Uh, The greatest threat to the Bill of Rights um, is the uninformed voter. Now I know a lot of people won't know where I'm coming from with that, but uh, that's a good one. I that I'm surprised. Like I, I that's not on my it might be now if I think about it, but go yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I think of these big movements which I consider to be highly manipulated. But uh, all right, keep talking. Okay, everybody thinks that voting is rigged. They're going to pick who they want, and voting doesn't matter. That that is the farthest thing from the truth. They spend billions of dollars on uh, campaigns and elections every year, every year. And they spend those billions for a reason. They spend them so that they can manipulate the people who go and vote. And they want to keep these people uninformed about what they are actually losing, that birthright that you just spoke of, the Bill of Rights. And if people aren't aware of what's taking place, then one day we will wake up and we will have no liberty or freedom. And the, the three most critical, well, we already know the Tenth Amendment is pretty much meaningless today. Yeah, the Tenth Amendment is where everything is reserved to the states that isn't given to the feds in the Constitution. Exactly, exactly. But when you have people like Johnny Isaacson and Nathan Deal um, uh, coming up and saying, well, you know, uh, religious freedom, you know, this, this, you know, all this stuff that's going on, uh, that should be left to the federal government. That right there uh, is invalidating the intent, the original intent of the Tenth uh, Amendment. And the fact that people went that far here in Georgia was because they recognized that the First Amendment was being trampled on in the first place. So the state of Georgia decided, well, let us try and do something, you know, uh, as a state uh, to 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 protect, I've noticed. Freedom. Yeah, I've noticed. Um, I feel like I, there was actually an article I flagged in the journal this week about how Republican state governments are cramming down laws like you can't have a plastic ban plastic bag ban, or like the North Carolina trans, transgender bathroom law. They're saying to municipalities that they cannot make these laws and. I thought that was kind of uh, interesting because normally the Republicans are the ones who are more individualistic, want to push down uh, lawmaking to the most local level. So the fact that 
highlighting conservative issues and getting Republicans to put power in the wrong place just to get what they want is uh, is short-term thinking. It, it, absolutely. Um, and, and, and so with, with so there's an attack on the, the well, the, like I say, Tenth Amendment, just count that gone because our representatives are so, or I shouldn't say our representatives, the people that we foolishly elected, they <laughs> sold out uh, the Tenth Amendment. Then we, we we see the First Amendment is under attack. Now they want the Second Amendment. They want that, but they got to get they got to get us to agree to willingly give that up. And of course, it won't be stated as overtly as I just put it. But that is the end goal for the Second Amendment. Um, but before they can get there, they uh, when when Bush was in in office with the Patriot Act, they started chipping away at the Fourth Amendment. Now, what people don't understand about the Fourth Amendment, it is the one thing in our Constitution that made us different from all other countries, and that is the right to be left alone. And so, with the spying, the surveillance state, and all those things that are taking place, they were basically just ripping the Fourth Amendment. And I, I feel like that neutralizes the First Amendment because what good? You don't really have freedom of speech or freedom of assembly if they can get ahead of you. You say, "Hey, meet me at the Capitol building," and they come and arrest you or raid your house, or you know, if they can get ahead of you like that. The, with that, and the same thing with due process uh, with the Fifth Amendment. I feel like they they're going to go. When they eliminate those things, they're they're really just preventing us from being able to fight them because they're getting ahead of us. They're they're prevent they're they can punish us without having to try us. That's why I don't like the watch list, the no fly list. They're actually meant to silence you. you absolutely, and and if you and what people don't understand about the no fly no buy list is that is circumventing that fifth amendment. You know, we then, you get put on the list. You don't know you're on the list until you try to get a flight or you go and uh, try to purchase a, a, a weapon. Um, you find out you're on this list, and then you have to spend money to get off. It should be the, re, the reverse. Uh, and, and this is what the NRA, and I know a lot of people don't like the NRA, but you know what? I thank the NRA for the fact that, you know, I still have my guns. I thank them for the fact that they stopped this no-fly, no uh, buy from passing before, and, and basically they say, we, you know, we don't want terrorists to have guns or to be able to go and buy them legally. However, if an innocent American gets on the list, there needs to be an expeditious process for them to get off without it being a burden to them financially, and, and that is what the Democrats, like John Lewis, don't want to happen. And, and, and it just boggles my mind that these people we have elected, uh, uh, well, you know what? I'm not going to give. I'm, I'm not going to give them the benefit of saying that they're naive and don't understand. They well, that's the thing, Derek. I'll have to tell you that what there is it, it to give them the benefit of the doubt that they don't realize what we're talking about here, because the no fly, whatever, to watch list, all that kind of stuff. To say you're assuming. Everybody just assumes that the government, these people are only putting people on that list who they genuinely, in their heart of hearts, feel are uh, real threats to the people of the United States when it's complete. It, it, there's no chance. They're putting people on the list 
or very shortly after having complete power over it, they would put people on the list who are a threat to them and what they care about. And that's the problem. It's that that's why we invade foreign countries. That's always the excuse we use to invade foreign countries. Well, they put people in jail for political reasons. That's what this stuff is. It's it's taking away their liberties for what ultimately will be political reasons. Yeah, and 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 so with all those things, you tackle the 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 the, the, um, the basically the loss of the power of the Tenth Amendment, the attack upon the first, the attack upon the fourth, the fifth, and now we need to get the second. This is where uh, BLM comes into play. Uh, this is where uh, the shooter down in Orlando comes into play. They're going to convince everybody that America would be better without assault rifles, which is a misnomer in itself because we don't have assault rifles. Uh, they're illegal for citizens to, citizens to go and buy. That's what's used by the military. Yeah, right. The trigger and the gun continues to fire, you know, just by holding the trigger. That's not what, what's on the street. And so they're going to make it about that. And again, the uninformed voter is going to con- willingly uh, stand in line, yes. turn in their weapons, and they're going to want us to turn in ours as well. Of course, I am not going to turn in mine. They'll have to come and get it. Yeah. But, uh, it's a propaganda thing. But, Derek, I want to tell you, I have to take a break at, at in, in uh, 45 seconds, so I want to make sure you tell us what's your next step. Okay, no problem. No problem. So what's your next step? Tell me. I, then. My next step, I'm going to run again, uh, either, you know, for uh, a U.S. House seat or governor, one of the two. All right. How can we follow what's going on with you? Uh, we're putting some stuff together right now. It will be unveiled very soon. Um, you can see pieces of it uh, uh, with Hank Sullivan because he's one of the people that we are backing and educating uh, people, but we're going to take a different approach in educating because I'm going to tell you something. The attention span of many people is just unbelievable. Too so short. anything more than five minutes, man, it, you know, you're going to lose them. So we're developing a way to educate in small bits and bites. All right. Well, I'm going to keep people posted on how they can uh, keep apprised of you and your next step. Uh, you're one of that almost impossible things, an honest, honest politician. Uh, thank you so much for giving me your thoughts. I'm so interested in them. Keep in touch. Thank you so much for calling in, Derek. Hey, Monica, always a pleasure, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Talk to you again soon. Okay, peeps, stay on the line if you've been holding. Thank you very much. We've still, I'm on till 6, so I'm going to get back to your calls after the break and your tweets at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. High today of 95, tomorrow's high 91. Weekend brother weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Just had a great call from Derek Grayson, but uh, that means I left a lot of people on hold. So let me get your calls. I still have open lines, though, so you can call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Ted and Duluth, thank you for holding. You're on the air. Hi, Monica. Enjoy your show. Uh, there was a lady on the radio the other day that wrote a, yesterday, in fact, that wrote a book called The War on Cops. Uh, I don't want to get into all the statistics she threw out and all that stuff unless you want to, but... No, uh, I need it in a nutshell. Lot, Give me what you got. Uh, people's attitudes towards the cops. 
I mean, if, you, if a cop pulls you over, a policeman pulls you over, and you, you know, you treat him with respect and you do what he tells you, you're not going to have any problem. And I think that's a lot of the problem is a lot of people have chips on their shoulders and attitudes towards them. I personally, I mean, if I walk, if I drive and I see a cop, I make sure that my I'm driving and I put both hands on the steering wheel just to, I mean, I think I read it was illegal not to have both hands on the steering wheel. I don't know. I am really conditioned to be respectful of people with guns who have authority over me. And some of the things that I see that people think is okay, uh, I just don't know the reasoning. Now, there's also uh, over, there's overreach. I, I think the way cops are being trained is changing. And I think that's heightening some of these tensions. But I agree. I mean, I personally don't take any chances. Well, I mean, one of the things this lady said was, uh, that policemen are responding to calls and, and, you know, and they're going to the call and they're being confronted with a crowd of people who are being belligerent and disrespectful and they've all got their cell phones out and they're not back on the curb filming from a distance. They're getting in their face with the phones. Yeah, they, they definitely, I can understand completely that they have those kind of anxieties and I think that after all these years we need to have systems in place that handle that stuff best. That's what I think needs to be focused on. The systems, the cultures. Uh, more calls after this. Tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.